as I'm sure you've seen over the past few days, the warring and the fighting and the destruction between Israel and Palestine has been atrocious. War, many people have said over the years, is hell. And what we've seen over these past few days have really been some of the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. I'm not here today to do a both sides kind of podcast, but I just want to tell you what I've seen. I'm just going to be brutally honest about it. I'm going to try to unpack and explain where I think we are, how I think we got here, and what I think will probably happen next. This is Sean King, and you're listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. Today is one of those days where I've got so much to say and also don't feel like saying anything because we're in such a peculiar space and place that anybody that hates you or wants to oppose you can come on here and slice up a sentence and say that you said this sentence and take it out of context and use it against you and call you names and say that you're hateful. And and so you can't really be a leader that way. And this podcast is just a small part of my life as a leader. And, and those of you who listen know that. Now, this podcast is a labor of love. It's just my way to communicate to the people. We've been doing it now for almost five years. We're almost at a thousand episodes, which just blows my mind. And I'm just here to speak my heart. And I, I can't speak with fear and be an effective leader. I can't speak with fear and be a compassionate leader. And, and, and what I understand is, right now, I just had a painful conversation with a dear friend of mine who, who is Jewish in America but has family in Israel. I have colleagues and staff members who are both Muslim and Jewish. Um, I have very, very close friends. A lot of my closest friends are Palestinian. And people are feeling this in ways that most of you who are listening probably aren't. I'm not Jewish or Muslim or Palestinian. And odds are a huge percentage of you aren't either. And I just want us first, before I dig in, to reserve space for the reality that those groups of people are hurting in ways that you've probably hurt before. Um, To be American, certainly to be African-American, but just to be American means to encounter violence, means to encounter a lot of loss. We are the, the nation of gun violence, of school shootings, of mass shootings, certainly of anti-black violence, of police violence, 
So to live in this place, it's hard to be here and not be acquainted with violence. But there's a unique kind of pain being felt by people right now. And I just want us to just take a moment, take a deep breath, and understand that no matter where your heart or mind falls on this issue, that there are real people who are hurting right now. Yesterday, I had multiple families of Israelis who they believe were kidnapped and taken hostage. One family reached out to me and showed me that their daughter who was kidnapped is a supporter of mine and that the family are supporters of mine, that they marched and demonstrated against police brutality and that they don't support the ugliness that they've seen in Israel against Palestinians and have spoken out against it. And so, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on right now. And I, I want to start there first with the acknowledgement that a lot of people are hurting. There was, for instance, a concert going on, a festival going on in Israel, almost right at the border with Gaza. Gaza, many of us call an open-air prison, where you're not allowed to leave. You can't come, you can't go, and everything that happens there only happens with the permission of Israel. It's, it's one of the most painful places on earth. And for many Palestinians, this festival, this, um, and when I say festival, you may be thinking like a traditional religious festival. It was like an electronic music festival, like a, a rave. Many Palestinians are disgusted that there was even a rave going on next to Gaza. Again, one of the poorest places on the face of the earth. And there was this kind of wealthy, privileged rave going on next to it. But to be in Palestine or Israel often requires a level of cognitive dissonance about the conditions of people. It's, to, it's, it's hard to imagine unless you've been there. Well, fighters from Gaza who were with Hamas, but with multiple groups, for those of you that actually know, kind of know the geopolitics, it was not just Hamas. It was multiple groups that kind of temporarily banded together killed hundreds of those young people uh, whose politics probably aren't conservative, just to be real about it. If you're not completely familiar with what's going on in Israel right now, the most conservative, most racist and bigoted government Israel has ever had is currently in power. And almost half of Israel has been protesting against them, particularly younger people in Israel. And hundreds of those young Israelis at the rave were killed and taken hostage. It was brutal. I saw some of the worst videos you could ever see of people there that were shot and killed at close range. I saw 
families in the towns around Gaza, but on the Israeli side of the border, um, just slaughtered men, women, and children. It was horrible. I've seen atrocious things that took place when Hamas and other fighters crossed over the border, which may make what I'm about to tell you shocking. Because the leading paper in Israel, the most respected, treasured newspaper in the nation, yesterday, on a front-page op-ed, said that one singular person shouldered the blame for what's happening. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, no, not of Palestine, of Israel. And they explained when he appointed his newest cabinet, which is literally full of actual white supremacists and bigots, open bigots, open homophobes, like some of the most atrocious people that none of us ever thought would be allowed into government. The article said when Benjamin Netanyahu took the position that it would be national policy to open openly treat Palestinians as if they were less than human and publicly, openly, without hesitancy or shame, steal their lands and treat them as if they had no lands. That it was not only setting Palestine up for failure, that it was setting all of Israel up for failure, and that those tensions, including some of the most bigoted and disgusting things just over the past few weeks that I have seen conservative Israelis say and do before any of this went down, the op-ed on the front page of the leading newspaper in Israel said, When you allowed that, when you promoted all of this, you set all of us up for violence that was no doubt going to come. To be a leader in Palestine or Israel or in the region is a very, very delicate thing. I I don't think very many people could do it well. I I would say it like this. There are probably 97 ways to be a bad leader in Israel or Palestine and two or three ways to be a good one. Hard, difficult, hard to be a humanitarian, hard to be compassionate because the tensions are so real and so deep and so pronounced and so old and so visceral and how you actually fix it, how you repair it is so complex. Very few people are going to actually do it the right way. I think you couldn't be much worse of a leader than Benjamin Netanyahu who also, by the way, is indicted on multiple criminal charges for fraud and all kinds of disgusting things. He is worse than Trump. And the world knows this. He has no respect on the world stage. Zero. 
he hardly has respect in Israel. He is a despicable man. And his decisions, because here's the thing. Everybody is responsible for their own actions. I'm going to take a break here in just a second. So what these leaders and what these primarily men from Palestine did, they are responsible for that. Let's be clear. They chose to do what they did, but no actions happen in a vacuum. The decisions they made were in huge part inflamed and set on fire by decisions and kind of a, a, that had a domino effect made by Benjamin Netanyahu. And that's what the leading paper in Israel is saying. As they have just lost nearly a thousand of their own citizens. Like imagine that that's what's being said there, not here, not by me, by them. Because they understand that in that region, in that place, Every decision has real consequences. So when those of us saw what Hamas and other leaders and other people did, I knew immediately that there were going to be disastrous consequences. And people in the region may see that what Palestinians did, they may see that as a, as a military success. and The number of Israelis that were killed is the largest single number of Israelis killed in an attack since the Holocaust. So, yeah, you know, they may see that as a military success, but it is now that decision, which was absolutely sparked with a match from Netanyahu and his white supremacist government. But the decision to respond in that way has now had disastrous consequences for all of Palestine, for all of Gaza, for women and children. If you see my timeline, you see the gut-wrenching videos of babies that have been slaughtered and blown to bits. This is where we are right now. I'll be right back. We have a quick word from some of our sponsors. I want to tell you what I think is going to happen next. Be right back. When I record this, it's in the morning and it's before I take my kids to school. And um, that was a real part of me that... I have a whole lot to say, but there was a real part of me that also um, I'm hurting because I, I get so much love and support from Palestinians and identify for any of us who fight against police brutality and systemic injustice in the United States, we identify tremendously with Palestinians and the oppression that they face from day to day. And I don't know that any other group of people in the world has been more supportive and more kind to me than Palestinians. I mean, I feel it. I mean, I, there is a deep kinship there. 
And um, as of this morning, it's now this afternoon in Palestine. They're many hours ahead of us here in the United States. Nearly 200,000 Palestinians have lost their homes. Do you understand that level of destruction? I mean, entire neighborhoods have been leveled. Entire apartment complexes have been destroyed. Mosques, libraries, health centers, stores. Um, there, every cell phone tower, there is, no, there is no power, there is no water, there is no fuel or gas. Roads have been destroyed. The level of despair there now is astronomical. And it's about to be a human rights catastrophe. It's about to be a humanitarian disaster. It's, th it's there right now. But where it's going to be just three, four, five days from now, weeks from now, I don't even know. Right now, you can't even cross a border. You can't cross. A, there are really only two ways to get out of Gaza. Go, go into Israel, which you cannot do right now at all. You pretty much couldn't do anyway. Or you could go and cross a border into Egypt. And for whatever reason, Israel destroyed that checkpoint. Literally blew it up with a missile. There's nowhere for people to go. There's nowhere for people to hide. And I believe that the, the death, the destruction, and the despair that we are about to see it's about to get a whole lot worse. What I hope and pray does not happen is that this does not become a world war. Uh, in some ways, it is. As you already know, uh, the United States military directly funds and equips and arms Israel. Like, multiple countries are already involved here. Multiple countries help fund Hamas and other fighting groups in Palestine. Like these aren't, you know, these aren't countries that are just standing alone. And it becomes in some ways a proxy war because the United States government hates Iran. The United States government loves to support Israel for that and other reasons. The United States loves to fund the enemies of their enemies. So one of the big reasons the United States funds Ukraine is because the United States government hates Russia. Not that it really loves Ukraine, but it hates Russia and will do anything to try to help them lose. And so we're seeing a lot of people making decisions that will only make life harder for everybody, particularly for children. And I am truly, truly afraid that this thing is going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. I wish I could talk more. I'm going to talk a lot more about this tomorrow for the rest of the week. Please go to my timeline on Instagram, at Sean King, and I'll continue to make posts there as well, okay? Got to take my kids to school. Love and appreciate all of you. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. 
We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist, Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Mom.